0: Before we jump into today's episode, a brief word from our sponsor, of Financial is a company founded by doctors. And because they were founded by doctors, they know how frustrating it can be to work with financial companies, which is why they've created a better way. Have you thought about financing or refinancing your student loans? The rates you get at of Financial for student loan refinance and do not go up because of your credit score, your debt, or your income level. With no loan maximums or cosigner requirements, their student loan refinance is based on the respect that physicians deserve and not on a credit score or debt level. Join the growing number of physicians nationwide that expect more from their bank. Switch to Panacea Financial. Visit PanaceaFinancial.com to discover a better way to refinance your student loans. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus Member FDIC. another episode of the Medical Liability Minute, where we talk for more than a minute, and we're joined today with our general counsel, Mike Sikopoulos. Welcome, Mike.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Glad to be with you.
0: We're going to do a medium to deep dive today on HIPAA. I know everybody loves talking about HIPAA. So the first thing we're going to do in terms of is making sure that everybody knows how to spell HIPAA. Mike, how is it not spelled and how should it be spelled? And why do people make that mistake?
1: Well, I think that the way most people want to spell it is incorrectly with two P's and one A, H-I-P-P-A. And sadly, that's not the way that it's spelled. It's spelled with two A's and one P, -P H-I-P-A-A. So there you go. That's your uh, spelling lesson of the day. And we'll, we'll try to make this entertaining. I understand that You're having to listen to lawyers talk about regulatory issues and patient privacy, which can be a snooze fest. Um, But this is actually really important and there's something new here. So give us a little attention. I think it'll be uh, helpful to you.
0: It will definitely inure to your benefit. So (laughs) go on.
1: All right. So in 2019, there were two cases that were released by the um, the office of civil rights and you're thinking what does that have to do with anything? well the people that are the HIPAA police at the federal level are the office of civil rights part of HHS and they have been for many years saying hey we're concerned that patients aren't getting access to their records in the way that the law says patients should have access we're warning you fingers wag people you know, more and more warning but there was never any penalty no one ever got cracked for not doing the right thing until 2019 and then two different entities got blasted uh penalties not quite at the six figure level but 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 high five right i mean we're tens of thousands of dollars of, of penalties here
0: well hang on when you say high five high five is not good here because normally when i think of high five that's a good thing it, it,
1: it's not it's not at all a good not at all a good thing we're, okay. you know in the 70 eighty thousand dollar category of what had to be paid to the federal government and we could all agree that Lawyers were involved, and they had to be paid. And and, and so the, the overall time and expense on this, clearly uh, in the six-figure category. If the you're public shaming. Yeah, public shaming, name out there, forevermore, blah, blah. So for the first time, we saw enforcement when people didn't get their records that they had requested in a timely way or, or at all.
0: Give an example of what that means to people. Because normally you think someone
1: makes you a think request. It's all- yeah, you think it's on autopilot, right? Somebody sends in a, a record request in your office, somebody in the back fires up the copier or um, or sends the records electronically, and, and that's that. Under the law, you have 30 days in which to respond. So one of these entities uh, took many, many months to respond. Now, they gave the records. The records were accurately provided. But because of the excessive time involved, they were penalized there's nothing malicious going on here this is i think garden variety incompetence on the part of those administering the records request uh, somebody's overwhelmed something gets put at the bottom of the stack and the next thing you know you now have have a problem so we had been told that this was a hot issue around the uh, office of, of civil rights that they were concerned about this and it wasn't until the second half of 2019 that we saw cases actually uh, emerge well fast forward to 2020 um, you think what you want about this this year it's brought lots of lots of problems and it has brought lots more of these type of cases in fact um, there was one that was issued just in this in the last two or three days we're we're moving in on a dozen of these uh, just this year uh, I have the feel that these are in the pipeline and they want to convey the sense that they're very serious about patient access uh to patient to patient records they're after people for requiring patients to come in in person to request records you cannot do that it has to be you can require it be the request be in writing but you can't require it be on paper or that it be faxed or mailed you can take it in an email what the office of civil rights is saying is these are the patient's records and they can make a reasonable request you need to comply you need to get these out in a timely fashion and we're tired of uh, this not happening and getting people complaining the office of civil rights has a website where uh, patients can go on and just fill out an online complaint doesn't take very long at all and can cause lots of lots of trouble so i'm telling you all of this with uh, hopefully some sense of urgency because this is something that is a game changer This is now front and center, and they are no longer tolerating excuses of, sorry, somebody was ill, or we're just a little backed up today. No more. That went on for a while. People got warnings. Those days are over with. We're now playing with live ammo. People are getting hit with thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of penalties because they're not complying with the law.
0: Mike, I think that most people know that if they are – um, trying to, um, if, if the request is made to send their records to another doctor, for example, or to a family member, that you need the patient signed authorization to disclose the protected health information. But I think, I'm not sure many people understand that if a patient just wants their own records and they've requested it, they really don't need to do much else. They don't need to necessarily sign a formal HIPAA authorization. And I think that's where some people get tripped up. They say, you got to come to the office and sign this. And unless you sign our particular document, which would be the formal HIPAA authorization to third party, that they will not release the records to you as the individual, meaning that if you're the patient, the practice is thinking, well, unless you're going to sign this particular document to release information, I'm not giving you your own records. So sometimes out of an abundance of caution, the practice is, creating these artificial constraints where none are required. Put a different way, if you, the patient, want information sent to your insurance company, for example, maybe that's not a good example, but let's say if you want to send it to any third party, let's say another provider, that may, uh, that may not also be a great example.
1: Well, let's say it's a lawsuit. You've been injured in Stay a car down. accident. You want to release these records to your, your attorney. That's that that comes up with some some regularity and so
0: you need the signed authorization and most exactly. practices say I will send you that information. Um, I will send your lawyer that information once I received your signed HIPAA authorization document. So then the practice gets into a habit of always asking for that document before records are given to anyone. Now here you've got the patient saying give me my own records. And then the practice says, great, I'll give it to you, but you got to come in and sign this document. And this is the conundrum. It's the, it's the impression the practice has that the patient must go through these hoops before they can deliver information that they're properly entitled to.
1: That, that, that's right. So certainly the practice has the ability and, and really is, is required to make some effort to determine that the person asking for the records, that it, it's really the right person. Right. So I can't um, can't call up and pretend to be uh, Jeff Siegel and get your medical records. Right. So your, your practice could could legitimately ask for an email or or something um, to prove that the person at the other end of the phone is, in fact, really who he or she says that they are but that's about where it ends we can't impose all kinds of excess requirements of come in in person and do a liver biopsy right that that's the part that the office of civil rights has become upset about is that they say that it has been so overdone as to disenfranchise people from their own medical records that's the thought now whether you and i agree with that doesn't really matter because we're not sitting at the desk in the office of civil rights They're they're the ones whose opinion matters because they're the people enforcing this so you need to do it what they've really been focused in on is the amount of time that it has taken and you're given 30 days under the law now I get questions on can you make people pay to -hmm. get their records and the answer is yes if there are costs associated with the production of these these records you can do that but the office of civil rights again is entering in on behalf of the patient and saying look those costs have to be reasonable you cannot say if it's an electronic document of say 300 pages in length because it was a hospitalization that we're going to charge 25 cents or 50 cents a page when it's an electronic copy that is just um, put on a on a, a memory stick Right? they're saying the fees have to be in line with what the actual costs associated with the production um, are so what's a reasonable amount well you know that that bearing can can vary and it puts you in a bit of a box but we this is should not be considered a profit center for your uh for your practice right should just be covering your costs there can be some retrieval fees some if it's going out in hard copy the mail cost the photocopy cost but you should not be saying it took me eight dollars to get this all together so i'm going to charge 125 that's going to be considered unreasonable right
0: and so, you don't well, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no I'm, I'm saying
1: ahead. that these these are the kind of things that are are, are coming up. And oftentimes driven by the lawyers, who frankly are requesting medical records and feel like they're being extorted by medical practices. Again, rightfully, wrongly, I'm just telling you how this plays out. The average person is not filing the complaint. It's coming in the form of some kind of a class action from a law firm who feels like they've just had a gutful of paying $250 for a record request and getting eight pages of, uh, of records. And that's how people get in trouble outside of the Office of Civil Rights.
0: I've seen the flip side also create a problem where the doctor's office is not asking for any money related to production of the records. They're saying, by the way, you have an outstanding balance for two hundred and twenty two dollars related to your medical care. Your insurance carrier never made payment or you have deductible, et cetera. We cannot and will not supply your records until you make good on your two hundred and twenty three dollar balance. In other words, holding the records hostage until the underlying bill is paid. What say you?
1: Oh, bad idea. You can't, uh, you you can charge to, and you can charge prospectively the cost of production, but you can't, as you say, use those records to hold hostage to get paid for past uh, services. Uh, The patient has a right to their their records and can have them moved on, uh, transferred to a different practice and so forth. And you can't uh, essentially have uh, make it into a lien, um, mm-hmm. the production, which is really what, what that turns into be is that you have a lien on their medical records. That, that's not going to, not going to work and will ultimately cause you far more grief than if you properly produce them and then proceed after the patient to, to collect, uh, your, uh, your fees.
0: Before we end, don't forget to reach out to Panacea Financial. Panacea offers loans for physicians and medical students, with low rates, free checking, and no ATM fees nationwide with 24-7 live customer service. Visit PanaceaFinancial.com today to open your account and join a bank built with you in mind. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus, member FDIC. And with that, we're at the end of our broadcast. Thanks for joining us. In closing, a few messages. If you're an existing member of medical or dental justice, and you find yourself on the receiving end of a medical legal threat, please contact us at 1-877-MED-JUST. That's 1-877-MED-JUST or 633-5878. Our stat hotline is a service offered to all current members. It's designed to get your urgent medical legal questions answered ASAP. Members can also access a plethora of exclusive medical legal resources by logging into their members-only page, which can be accessed by our website, medicaljustice.com. Now, we want to protect as many doctors as possible. If one of your colleagues is in trouble, please refer him. When a current member of Medical Justice refers a colleague and that colleague becomes a member, you both receive a month of free protection. To refer a colleague, write to us at infonews, that's News at medicaljustice.com. That's infonews at medicaljustice.com. Now, if you're not an existing member of medical or dental justice, but want to bulletproof your practice from medical legal threats, our admin, Wendy Cates, is your best resource for information about our protection plans, implementation best practices, and pricing models. Wendy can be reached directly at 336-358-5587. We offer discounts for large groups, and protect doctors of all specialties in all states. Now, before we close, one last request. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review on your preferred podcast provider and share our podcast with your colleagues. Reviews help maintain our podcast visibility, which in turn helps us reach a broader audience. This helps us protect more doctors. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you'll join us on the next episode of the Medical Liability Minute.